When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Now then, we have got a new sponsor and it's slightly unconventional, isn't it? Because the previous sponsors we've had have usually been, you know, beers and things like that. and Swimwear partner we've had. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Well, this one, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. So we've got these packages through the post and basically... I mean, there's no other way of saying it, is the lads? It's basically for... Bl- I, think it's, I think the best way to phrase it is a package came through the post to tackle your package. Correct, correct, yes. It's basically to trim your balls. Brooksy, I can just see him. So we're recording this podcast on Zoom. And I can see Brooksy and he's... Well, well, you're not meant to do that. He's just picked the boxer shorts out of his box that we got and he's put them on his head. We've all got our Manscaped T-shirts on because that's who have sent us the boxes. And, I mean, it's great. They've got, like, these amazing little trimmers and then they've got, like, some talc and some ball deodorant. It's great. But I'm slightly worried, though, because I've used it and it's brilliant. Brooksy, mm. it looks like you've been using it on your face. Um, ball deodorant's interesting, though. I've not used that before. <laughs> Smells lovely, it's a bit, isn't it? Bit of a tingle, Brooksy. You like it? I like using that um, that mint shower gel on your nether region. <laughs> um, I think it's important, isn't it, to have a decent set of grooming gear for um, your chin yeah. and your nether regions. Yeah, I want to know. Did you do nether regions after you used it on your face, or was uh, it before? Two separate, two separate trimmers, mate. Two separate trimmers. I'm hygienic. <laughs> um, I've gone for. The half Wolverine now, nice. It's nice. Looks good. I mean, you know, obviously. I mean, we aren't going to expose ourselves on Zoom. Look at that. What's that? Is it? What's that you've got in your hand? Ball toner. Ball toner. It is good. It is a blooming good job. I tell you that. But yeah, really good. Um, Brooksy, can you actually put some of the success that you've had with the bat down to making sure your box is comfortable because? You are very well groomed in that region. It's a valid question. I thought you were going to say, can you, can you put it on now? And I was like, no, I'm not going to rummage with myself. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I could put it down to that if it would help the sponsors. 
Always. Well, Manscaped, it's good. So when you were manscaping, Chris, how did you find it? Um, an experience. I think it's it's one of those things you've you've got to just embrace. And, you know, you know if the, the sea's really cold, you've just got to jump in, haven't you? You don't dip your toe. You dip <laughs> yeah. your toe and then you, so you just got to embrace it. I wondered so, where that was going. <laughs> <laughs> the newspaper it came with and, and the instructions, it was like a full-on experience. So now I am... Um, I really enjoyed it, and I will would be recommending it to everyone I know. Yeah, well, if you are listening to this, if you are if you are listening to this podcast, exactly. If you are listening to this podcast, you can go onto Manscaped website, um, and is we've got a Barmy Army code, Chris, haven't we? For anybody who's listening to this podcast, you can get some some money off. We have James. Yeah, like we said, go to bar. Sorry, go to manscaped.com and you get twenty percent off plus free shipping with code Barmy Army in capitals. Very simply, Barmy Army in capitals. The package you get when it arrives is absolutely outstanding. You get a shaver, you get some deodorant, you get your own wash bag, you get a T-shirt, you get some really comfy boxer shorts. I would um, highly recommend it to everyone. It's a really fun, unique gift as well, so be sure to check it out. Perfect. And also, I mean, I've just got to say, glowing review of mine, you could eat your dinner off it. So that's all I'm going to... I'm just going to leave it at that. Said, was it? <laughs> so, so, so manscaped.com <laughs> bar me army to the Shackles Are Off podcast, the UK's number one cricket podcast, according to our pals at Apple. Welcome back to our loyal followers, and thank you for downloading and subscribing and sharing and getting in touch and stuff as well. We have had some correspondence, gentlemen, uh, before we talk about Brooks's success and England's success and who our guest is for this week. We've had an email from Shaylen. Morning, lads. I just wanted to say I've been enjoying your podcast so far. Well, good for you. Starting with Hoggy's one. And Simon Jones has won now, jumping around. Reaching out to let you know I'm listening all the way over in sunny Fiji. Keep up the good work. And that's from Shailen. So thank you very much, Shailen, for getting in touch. Sunny Fiji. Man. That's pretty cool. Wow, that's fast. That's what cool. What a bloke. So, you, you, bloke. so you've... I've, I've never actually been to Fiji, but on my bucket list, amazing place to be. Have you, you've been there, haven't you? I have, yeah. I did eight weeks volunteering in a rural... Fijian village teaching all the kids English and and trying to teach them a bit of maths and PE as well. So it was... hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> You're teaching someone how to speak English. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, I know, yeah. And maths. It's quite, it quite funny because I actually taught them um, some Sheffield Wednesday football songs when I was out there because you had to teach them a song. Everyone was teaching like S Club and everything. I taught them high house silver line and made them sing Sheffield Wednesday. So, so that in, yeah. in Fiji now, there's going to be a few dozen kids yeah. walking, walking around with a dodgy Yorkshire accent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a bit of a Army Kevin time. <laughs> big fan of Kevin Pressman. Love it. I'm going to go back and teach them some Barmy Army songs because it's, it really is a stunning place. And I got I got chatting to um, Shailen on email and he was just saying he's 
He's um, actually plays cricket in Fiji. What a place to go and play cricket. That's so cool. And um, I know they love their rugby over there, but yeah, the Fiji cricket would be pretty good as well. Brilliant. Yeah, mental. Absolutely mental. Thanks for getting in touch. Um, and I hope you're listening on a beach. That's how I'm imagining it anyway. That's very nice. Very well-travelled person. I enjoy that, Fiji. Talking of well-travelled, by the way, I guessed Geraint Jones, well-travelled himself. <laughs> nice little segue. See what I did there? That's why you get paid <laughs> the big bucks. Greggy, that is why you get paid to leave the news at 1am on the BBC. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Geraint Jones, born in Papua New Guinea. I've never spoken to him before, but just sort of doing a bit of research for this pod. I know it's unbelievable we actually do research, but he, um, I mean, what a cool, like, sort of upbringing and kind of starting to cricket and a bit of a late bloomer as well, which is pretty interesting. So be good to get the thoughts from Geraint. But let's talk about you, Brooksy. I know you actually sort of get a bit embarrassed for this, but we're recording this um, the day after Somerset booked their place in the Bob Willis Trophy final at Lords. You're playing against Essex and well done, Brooksy. You and the Somerset Ooh. lads have been absolutely class. Hi, mate. Yeah. How good's that? Um, three or four months ago, I didn't think we'd play any cricket. So um, to sit here on the brink of a Lords final in a, in a, for a trophy, unfortunately, we won't be having any supporters in there, I don't think. But yeah, yeah. it's crazy. And it's, um, it's brilliant though, like how quickly, because with a, you know, not very many games, you've got to get your form going quickly. And we've thrown ourselves right into it, had some tough games, but yeah, we've um, rode to Lords. It's two weeks time. Serious, yeah. Serious effort from you boys. And we have to mention the fact that you were absolutely flying, top of the averages, or, or you must have been up there averaging 45. And then what happened? You got one. Yeah, well, I've um, run out of luck. I don't know. Like, to fail once in five, I've done quite well there, haven't I? You have, yeah. I'm really not that very good at batting, am I? So a bowler should be able to get me out if he bowls me a decent enough nut. <laughs> um, which, what Dylan Pennington did to me yesterday, she nicked me off. But I'm disappointed because Tom... Uh, I, Tom Lamanby was at the other end and he was on 100 and something and he batted beautifully. Keeping keep an eye out for him, definitely. For the Fantastic, yeah. And I mean, look, Brooksy, by the way, four matches, 13 wickets, average of under 17. Love that. Good stuff. All that gym work that you were doing when you were punching the boxing yeah, pads and stuff, I mean, you know. Bowling attack, though, mate. Great bowling attack. Well, <laughs> good stuff. All the so best. True. All the best for that Lord's final. We'll obviously keep you updated on here. Um, so that's... The two best teams as well, isn't it? So oh yeah, hundred percent. You guys in Essex, so it's going to be it's going to be a spectacle, and hopefully you'll have everyone. Is it, it must be on Sky. Everyone will be tuning in. I reckon it'll get some some good viewers. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm, I was hoping it would be. Um, the rumours are a bit clashing with the IPL or something. But I know Test Match Special will be there from radio commentary um, and there'll yeah. be local commentary as well. But I really hope it is on TV because it could be good viewing two decent teams playing each other. If... If it's not Brooksy, I'll um I'll go down to Lords and stream it on the Barmy on Facebook. Yes, good idea. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day. <laughs> Perfect, good stuff. Um, good stuff. Geraint Jones, Brooksy. Have you played you, against um, him? Played much with him, against him? Never played with him. I played against him when he was at Kent, and I played against him when he was at Gloucester when I was at um, Northants, um, and then when I was at Yorkshire. He was at Gloucester. He, he, I think in his final game or his final season, he got a man of the match at Lords. And they all know, did he get 50 at Lords in a, in a cup win against Surrey? Um, nice. But yeah, I've played against him a couple of times. He's a really 
nice chap, was a good player. I didn't play against him in his pomp, but he was still a, a dangerous batter to Bolton. Very good keeper. Uh, he's a fireman now, isn't he? So he's, I'm looking forward to talking to him. He should have some good stories for us. Yeah, he's got a cool life. Yeah, looking forward to speaking to him. I'll tell you what, let's talk to him a little bit more. And like we already mentioned as well, manscaped.com. Um, as, as we as a sponsor in our podcast as well, so do check that out. What perhaps even whilst you're having a little listen along to this, uh, Greggy, are, are you are you going to ask be asking anyone to eat your dinner? <laughs> anyway, onto the pod. <laughs> onto, onto the podcast with Grant Jones on the shackles are off. So, first of all, thanks so much for joining us, Geraint, as well. I mean, I don't really know where to start, to be honest, because a lot of our guests, they come through that traditional route of 15-16, playing county cricket as a junior, they then play for England, and then they play a bit of the county stuff, and then they finish, right? That is not exactly, like, not what you've done. You've done it a really sort of different way, and it's quite interesting. So, you're born in Papua New Guinea, which is quite common knowledge, and we'll come on to that later on, but then... You know, you came over to cl- play club cricket from Australia because that's where you were living, and, and it all, you know, tell us about it. Yeah, this could take a while. <laughs> no, it's uh, great. <laughs> yeah, so born in Papua New Guinea, and then my family had 10 years there, um, basically throughout the 70s. Uh, and then in early 80s, moved to Oz when I was six. Uh, that's where I learned cricket, that's where I sort of found the game and fell in love with it. Um, you know, learnt the basics, uh, learnt, learnt how to play the sort of the Aussie way with, with the way that they they do it. And then I first came to the UK actually in 95 as an 18 year old and played at um, Lydney near, uh, and so had a, had a great year there, um, scored loads of runs and, and planned to, to come back uh, pretty quickly, but then um, went back to Oz and things went quite well with the cricket. Got invited to be a like an, uh, an associate scholar down at the, um, the Cricket Academy in Adelaide. So went down there for a few weeks, did a bit of that. Um, but at that point, I'd left school, so I had to get a job. And uh, so was working and playing a bit of cricket on the weekends. Actually, um, I'd been through catering serve, uh, college, so I can silver serve, I can flambe, I can mix cocktails, <laughs> all that sort of. Um, but then I realised actually playing cricket and then having to to race off to um, to get to work uh, wasn't really working actually. I don't know the the Barmy Army guys would probably sort of know um, South Bank in Brisbane. You guys know as well South yeah. Bank in Brisbane. So there was a, a curry spot. house down the bottom end of it, um, mm. called Taste of India. That's where I worked for for a few years. Yeah. So um, uh, <laughs> it was quite quite cool. Uh, but it didn't work with cricket, and then so I got a regular job. I went and worked for a computer company, um, putting all computer components together for people to assemble them and, and then I'd ship them off. But then I, cricket was going quite well. I um, got involved with the Queensland Academy of Sport, played a few Sec 11 games. Um, but then uh, at that point, sort of Ian Healy was coming to the end, so he was still playing a bit. Uh, Wade Second was the keeper for for Queensland, unbelievable keeper. So I sort of pretty much knew that that path 
was fairly blocked. Um, so I just started to think differently. And that's when coming back to the UK sort of became an option. And in 98, that's what I did. Went to Clevedon um, in Somerset um, and yeah, went, went from there, had a year and um, ended up, ended up staying, met my wife. Uh, she claims my whole cricket career because yeah, if it wasn't for her, she uh, um, <laughs> gone, gone back to Oz. So, um, and then, yeah, so it, when uh, playing club cricket, moved to Abergavenny, so a good friend of mine, uh, and my best man, Owen Dawkins, who's the coach at Gloucester, um, batting coach. Yeah. Uh, I moved in with his parents, lived in a little, little room, and um, his mum actually helped me write a letter to the counties um, to basically ask for a trial. And at that point, that was 99, so what was I, 23? Right. Um, and then I had a couple get back to me Kent was one of them um uh but actually the guy who the coach at that time lost my letter and lost all my details uh but luckily he knew Owen so he threw Owen he got in touch with me to say really embarrassed lost his details but we want to have a um want him to come up for a trial and I remember at the bottom of the high street Abergavenny in the in a in a red phone box making the phone call to ring up the coach <laughs> So when when do you want me to come? What what do I have to have to do? And uh, you know, and then went back up. I was working in a pharmacy at that point, um, doing a bit of stuff to be a pharmacy technician. Everyone thinks I'm a qualified pharmacist. Not true. I wish, but yeah, not true. All I've done is learn how to uh, count a few pills and, and mix a few creams. That's about it. Because um, I've seen that on your, that was on your Wikipedia page. I'll be honest, I've seen it, and I thought trained pharmacist. And you know, like you've just said, doing all the waiting on stuff. Like the most qualified cricketer in the yeah. world. You've got a serious CV for someone that made it in the game as well. Incredible. Quality. Yeah. Serious experience. So good. So look, you know, when you start at Kent then, so I'm guessing when you came over to play club cricket initially, you were probably thinking, right, going to get up and at them, going to get a county contract. I'm, I'm guessing that was probably your aim. But then when you actually got it, that must have been really cool, you know, to get it in Kent as well, where you... You, you know, you'd have played your club cricket and stuff. Um, not really, to be honest, in terms of the county stuff. I came over with a, an idea of going to uni um, and then it, it just evolved. So it's sort of the way I've just drifted along and things have happened, to be honest. It's, um, you know, coming over and, yeah, no real intention. And it just just so happened to be that did quite well. And, and um, through talking to... To Owen and his parents, actually, because um, Mark Wallace, the Glamorgan keeper for all those years, he was from the little village where I was staying and he was in contact with with Kent. And it just came about that they they were looking for a keeper. Um, so then I thought, oh, I'll give it a go. And yeah, it sort of it, it went from there. And I think the one defining thing that happened in my trial was Spinner came on the ball and I first ball, I just ran down and whacked it over his head. And uh, the coach happened to be watched because I was in a trial with a load of 16 and 17 year olds. And here I was 23 um, and they were all crapping themselves, you know, like not moving yeah. out the crease. And, <laughs> and I've just run down and whacked it. And, and the coach said to me after he said, well, if you hadn't have done that, I probably wouldn't have even looked too much further at you. Wow. Wow. Take some cojones. I love that. <laughs> Oh, it's wow. it, it stuck with my with my whole career, to be honest. You seem to get out of Edgebaston, <laughs> uh, no Trent Bridge, when I tried to run run down and hit Warney out of. Yeah, I remember. I was, gonna, I was just going to say. 
<laughs> That's quality. So who was knocking around in that Dick Kent? Century style, there, don't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> who was knocking around in that Kent dressing room then, Geraint? So Rob Key. Trying to think of some others, like sort of, sort of prominent, sort of big names in the in, in the game. Who? What was what was that environment like? It was a bit of a transition time. So that so two thousand was when I, I basically had a year on trial. Um, I was still working full time in in Abergavenny in the pharmacy, and then travelling up to wherever Kent were playing. And I remember in one of my first second team games, um, Steve Marsh, who played Kent years for years and years, Martin McCaig was about, um, I got out for a duck actually in my, uh, in the trial match, um, Mark McKay Boulder and Dean Headley caught me. So, um, that, who else was about? Matthew Fleming. Um, he was about Mark Elam, Min Patel. So that was a sort of era. And then there was the new guys of Keezy, uh, Matt Walker, who's the coach, Dave Fulton. So that was a, yeah, that was a sort of the, the guys that, I sort of did the trial, you know, played with and then ended up playing quite a few years with. Quality. And you must have felt fairly comfortable to sort of go in with some of those whizzly sort of old pros, you know, gr- really sort of gritty county pros, aren't they? Some of the names you've just listed. So coming in, <laughs> come over from Australia, playing club cricket, you know, were they thinking, who's this chancer? Or were they, you know, instantly straight away embrace you into it? Oh, they were brilliant with me, to be fair. Um, I think being a little bit older as well. Um, yeah, but they were, uh, they were, in terms of they'd been playing a long time, so they were at a relaxed point in their career. I wasn't really a threat. Marshy um, had give, you know, he knew he was at the back end, so me coming in and, and doing it, it, it wasn't, but um, it provided some interesting times on uh, some second 11 trips, that's for sure, with that lot. <laughs> Yeah, me sort of thinking, right, okay, and then watching, you know, watching them do their stuff on uh, on and off the pitch. So it was, um, yeah, it was it was good fun. I can imagine. But how did England come about then? So obviously through your good play, obviously, but a lot of the players now they have that under 19s Lions kind of progression. It's like a little bit of a conveyor belt. So that must have been really different for you. That when when you kind of got the got the nudge just tell us about how that came about uh yeah so it was in my first year so 2003 was um my first year full-time really in the first team for Kent um happened to do yeah did quite well um and again you recognize these moments where you look back and uh I played against Essex and NASA was playing um and he got a double century in the match but I also uh I scored runs in both innings and and he then went back and spoke to to Duncan Fletcher about about me and um you know sort of I think that that's what helped put me on the radar and and from there yeah but that first year I so I'd taken over from Paul Nixon um you know they'd basically over the previous two years I'd set myself a bit of a goal um at the end of my two-year contract Kent would need to make a choice Nico or myself and if they kept Nico, I would have performed so well in the second team playing against all the counties that one of them would have would have snapped me up and you know and Kent made the choice to keep me. And in the first match we played, it was against Leicester. Nico had gone back to Leicester. He had batted <laughs> first and got a hundred. And I was and I was like, oh brilliant. Yeah, just what I need. Um, <laughs> but I counter I got a hundred of myself. I remember Dave Masters 
um, dropped me on the boundary. Um, yeah, not like I was nudging it for one to try bring up my hundred. He dropped me over the boundary for six <laughs> to bring it up. So it was, uh, <laughs> I, yeah. So from there, that really gave me a boost. And the rest of the season, I scored a load of runs, and and that's what put me on the radar. And cricket's massively about a bit of luck and opportunity at the right time. And I just happened to come on the scene at the perfect timing when Alex Stewart had finished. Um, so they were, you know, there's a bit of thing about the keeper and uh, who was who was taking over. So it was just brilliant timing for me. And I happened to back that up with some scores and went away on my, my first tour after first year really playing. But there were some blooming good keepers there, weren't there? Because he's Chris reading. Got the, go on, Brooksy, sorry. Sorry, mate. Yeah, the signal's a bit delayed. Um, was it ever on your radar that you could give, uh, have a crack playing for England or do you just play in county cricket, like, I've got a job, see what happens? Yeah, uh, no, it wasn't really, to be honest. Um, yeah, it just, it was, like I said, it just sort of flowed through and um, it happened re- it happened so quick, I didn't get time to think about it in a way. Whereas guys coming through the system, like you mentioned, through you know through their own county academy, and then they play some England 19s, and now there's they go away on the England Young Lions and stuff. It it becomes pretty quickly on their radar. But for me, I was I was just having an amazing time, and you know things things were happening quickly. You know, I I trialed, I got a contract, I then got first team gig then I got you know then I got picked for England so it didn't really I just went with the flow I you know got a phone call you fancy going to Bangladesh I was like all right yeah let's do it <laughs> got nothing else on I'll have a good I'll have a go over there what it, was yeah. that like then Geraint on your first away tour obviously the the um the step up in standard and, and the touring life with England which was becoming a really Discipline drilled team at the time, I guess it was getting more professional, more professional year on year. Was that did you enjoy that? Yeah, I loved it because, um, you know, just so on that first tour, I sat next to Nasser Hussain on, on the plane on the way there, and I annoyed the absolute hell out of him because <laughs> I, I, you know, at the I thought, all right, I need a watch. I didn't really have a watch, so I just bought myself a fairly cheap little watch, and I, I spent the flight trying to work it work out how so it was beeps and beeps and yeah nah, NASA sort of tolerated it and uh um but eventually he told yeah he asked me to stop fiddling with a watch and uh, <laughs> so, uh so he was that so his NASA was on there Mark Butcher Graham Thorpe so some again that different era and then but there was also Trez Vaughney Ashley Giles these guys coming through so I suppose you, when when I think about it, I sort of that transition happened at Kent and then then at England. But um, it for me it was a massive, it was an unbelievable journey to be play a year and then go on a trip to Bangladesh. Um, and I suppose that's where I was a bit on on the trip. I pretty much knew I wasn't played. Reedy was in the team, um, so Bangladesh. Everyone else um, was staying in the hotel and having chips, beans, and eggs, and you know. <laughs> I was, I was get, we, there was a restaurant around the corner and Bay of Bengal has got these unbelievable prawns. So I was feast, I was having prawns and getting stuck in and everyone else was like, I can't do that. I've got, just in case it goes through you. And I was like, well, 
I'm not going to play, so enjoy the seafood. That's so good. But look, you know some good keepers there, weren't there? Because Chris Reid obviously was fantastic. You end up nicking the gloves off him. And James Foster as well, who was like, well, I mean, one of the best ever, really, like standing behind the stumps. So that was that was that must have been quite good. You know, there's that cliche, isn't there, where they say, oh, it spurs each other on. Was that the case with you? Did it spur you on a little bit, you know, when you're all practising together and all that kind of thing, or knowing that they were probably nipping at your heels when you did get the gloves? Um, yeah, it did, because I knew they were much better than me with the gloves. And that, so that was, you know, it, it did did spur me on to, you know, and watching Reedy keep and how easy it would make it look. Um, you know, and Fozzie was a bit before me. That's sort of who would, I think Fozzie went on a tour to... Was it must have been to Australia and then possibly New Zealand and um and India and he then, did yeah, as well, so yeah. Went with Reedy and so I, you know, again I watching Reedy, I didn't again I was, I was a bit naive to it all. Um I knew of him, but I suppose I hadn't watched a huge amount. Um but then you know, just watching him do his do his work and um we, we was good. We there was never really a rivalry. We knew that we were both there to try and play, but um, he was brilliant with me in terms of working together to, you know, to, to be the best we could. And um, all the way along, I think people would probably love it if, if I said, oh, he's an absolute joker. He wouldn't even talk to me, but he wasn't. He was, he's, you know, really he's an absolute legend and, and he helped me with that transition. And um, yeah, but I, I always knew that I'd be under pressure with the gloves because of the quality that were, we were behind and, and wanting to get there. West Indies was your first tour where you actually kind of played, wasn't it? Was that the one where you first got the gloves? That brilliant tour where everything seemed to happen and Lara got his 400 and Simon Jones was in the side and that sounded so good. I mean, you know, what an experience that must have been for you. Yeah, I was on a party bus for the first four tests and then then they told me I was playing the last one. (laughs) But, But again, again, I... There was a moment there, so I'd looked at this tour schedule and I knew Reedy had start, um, and I looked at it and there was a tour match in between the fourth and the fifth test, and I sort of said, well, that could be my opportunity. If depending on how how Reedy's gone, if he's smashing it, fair play. But if there's a bit of doubt, I've got that window there, um, and I got bowled off a no ball early on in my innings. Uh, and then, but then I went on to get sixty odd. Um, so I think again that moment where getting the runs at the right time, um, and then yeah, so allowed me, well, gave me the chance. And then Vaughan came up to me in the nets before the match and walked around the back of the nets and sort of said, "Right, you, you're playing the next one." And um, yeah, cacked myself and then thought, "Oh, here we go." But uh, <laughs> yeah, that was. But West Indies, what a place to to go that is. Um, you know, like I said, like some of those watching people, the older guys celebrate wins. And yeah, you know, I remember going through, uh, is it the gap? Where's that? Is that the in gap. Barbados. Barbados? Barbados. We had little mini buses and we've got Butch hanging out the window with, with the beatbox going, NASA banging on windows. And I just thought, whoa, this is, this is you know, so it was just loads of fun. And, and that for me was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is touring, watching these guys who've played so many test matches still enjoy a win and enjoy where we were and um so yeah that was it was pretty amazing and then yeah my first test I uh I sat 
I pretty well could have sat down and watched Lara get 400. Um, because that was, you know, what an introduction that is. Have two and a half days with you, you know, in the dirt. Brilliant. Hongi yeah. told us about that. He said um, he he conveniently was a bit ill for the day that, um, and, and Gareth Batty had to come in and bowl his overs for him and went for about 200. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and I'm still a bit, I'm a bit dirty with Trez because I was, I was on for a world record. So the, the amount of runs in an innings without a bar, a buy being conceded. Um and then they brought Trez on to bowl and he bowled some filth and threw one down the leg side and I got called a bye. Um, oh, no, <laughs> yeah. you're kidding. Yeah, so, but yeah, it was, it was all good. I, you know, um, yeah, so it was that was my introduction to Test Cricket, a legend of the game scoring 400 and, and spending <laughs> 200, 200 plus overs in the, in the dirt. And 100 in New right. Zealand after that as well. Like, what was that feeling like? Because... I mean, yeah, you that, know. Was, that was when we returned. So that was uh, a Headingley. Um, what a place that is to play, by the way, with the stands there. And, you know, um, you know, when you're sitting there watching the bat and you just look out and you, th- and you, you see Superman, you see, you see all the rest <laughs> of it. You know, it's, it's so I love, love that side of it. And um, yeah, so to score, score 100 in my third test match um, was, uh, Amazing, um, incredible feeling. Uh, pro- but it, probably a big regret is I didn't get another one. I should have in that Ashes series in 05, but um, yeah, I peaked too soon. <laughs> well, not quite. I mean, come on. Ashes 05, I mean, the build-up and everything was just incredible. And I, I bet a day doesn't go by where people don't ask you at least something about in there. I mean, it's just... It's just incredible that you were in the cauldron and experienced all that and obviously had your iconic moment, which we'll come on to and talk about properly in a minute. But, I mean, look, did you know you had the gloves going into that series? I, I don't know how it all worked from your perspective. Did you just kind of go into it? You seem like you just sort of enjoying the ride at this point, by the way. You're just going along with it. Yeah, I'll play in the Ashes. Yeah, no worries. But uh, there must have been some kind of nerves or perspective, especially particularly having grown up and spent a lot of time in Australia as well. Yeah, absolutely, and all the uh, you know the history, you know, watching it and knowing how long it had been since England had won, the side that the Aussies were bringing over. Um, but yeah, I you still have the selection, but I pretty much knew because uh, we'd been to South Africa and had an incredible series win over there. Um, you know, I'd I'd done my usual. I'd had a bit of a topsy turvy tour. I'd scored some runs, and you know. Um, had done some good things and and that's sort of pretty much how I judge myself is did I contribute to the team and and that's where that's where Duncan Fletcher actually went with me because uh, he 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 just liked my approach and he liked my uh, what I brought to the team and and so I was really lucky there that personality was 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 picked as much as as skills and so and because Fletcher was building up for 2005 that was his that was his thing. He was picking a team that he felt could take on those Aussie legends. And, um, and I fitted into that really well. And, um, and so bear, but still massive, isn't it? An Ashes test series, at, you know, with a legend of a team and, and us who had been building up unbelievable. You know, we'd won all seven tests the summer before we'd gone to South Africa. We'd, we'd won that series. So everything was building up, and and that's why, uh, that's why all the you know everyone was so up for the series, and and we had incredible self belief going into it as well. 
I can imagine. I mean, you know, we, we absolutely loved it. I mean, we'd love to talk about this. We've, I think we've had like six or seven of you now on, on this podcast from the 05 series. I could listen to it all day. So good. <laughs> <laughs> I think every 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 cricket fan of the last 25 years could talk about 05 Ashes for weeks and weeks. Are you are you bored of talking about it, Geraint, or is that just not possible? No, uh, yeah, no, I don't. It's all I did. I've got to keep talking about it. <laughs> Come <laughs> off it. We're not with that. Um, but it's we're all finished now, aren't we? With Belly finishing this week, that's it. Is he the, is he the last of the gang? He was, yeah, yeah. So the rest of us are retired. He was the last one to to still be playing. So once he's done, it's uh, it, it is a bit of a end of an era. Um, yeah, which is makes me feel a bit old. But yeah, of course, I love talking about it. It was. An incredible few months um and was your, was your life the same afterwards or was that it changed your life that series i never thought when i started playing cricket that i'd be in a hmv signing dvds to be honest and so uh, <laughs> i love amazing. that, that so, is... so yeah it did, it did yeah of course it changed it was um you know i was a bit but it, i was a bit i was still me in a way because I'd still go into into the shops and I'd be just bumbling along, pushing the trolley, and my wife would say, "That guy's been following us for four aisles." And I'd be like, well, <laughs> oh, no, "Hello, mate, how you doing?" And that was yeah. So, um, so that because I spent my, I spent my time with either a helmet on or glasses and a hat. So, I actually what I don't think felt anywhere near as recognisable as as the other guys. So you know, like Freddie, Harmy, Simon, these guys, because I was. I was in disguise for a lot of it, and so when I went out, it allowed me to to sort of go about my my business fairly well. Yeah, and KP as well on his first tour because, I mean, that must have been incredible, especially then watching him sort of flourish after that. But when he came in, I mean, he was he probably seemed in his sort of best spell for him to come in really into that side when he wasn't he didn't have all the sort of problems and baggage that came with it, and he was a junior member of the side, wasn't he? But what was what was he like when he came in? Because he seemed to breathe a bit of fresh fresh sort of air into it, really, didn't he? And obviously he dominated in that ODI series just prior to the Ashes that everyone forgets about. But he, um, yeah, I mean, what was what was he like in the dressing room? What kind of a presence did you find KP to be? Uh, hungry, hungry, you know, because he he'd had to wait his time, um, but but incredibly focused. He was, you know, he he put probably the most preparation in that out of anyone and that's the thing he was a genius because of uh what he did sort of behind the scenes and you know looking at bowlers working out how they how they potentially might bowl to him you know he was, he was super fit uh you know and then he'd come that south african one day series i think he got they get 300s or 400s out yeah. of seven yeah uh, you know that that for him is by coming in and starting off his career in you know his international career in South Africa where he'd left to come over um you know to deal with that that we huge amount of respect you know by doing that and it just showed what what he was about and so we knew that he was ready to play the ashes and um you know so when he was selected it was uh, it, it was the right call but he Kev's Kev he was confident guy isn't he, he um you know he 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 was true to himself. I remember I remember seeing when I was playing for Kent. I remember being in uh, is it uh, pitcher and piano in Nottingham. Is that what they were called? Yeah. And 
and you know Kev was in there and and you know he was confident you know he had ridiculous gears on and but it <laughs> was him from the moment one and he never changed that and that's the one thing he he had a for me he had an idea of where he wanted to to get to you know what what he wanted out of cricket and he was he worked bloody hard to get there so yeah he had ridiculous haircuts and you know he came in talking to us about do we want our teeth done you know I've got a dentist I can you know what sort of watch have you got guys for, for me with my with my plastic thing from uh, Bangladesh that was no use <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know he, he brought a different element in you know because like, like I was talking earlier about NASA uh, Thorpey these guys they did a lot off the field, but we they didn't really talk about it. Whereas Kev brought that media side of it and and all that PR, he brought that to into the dressing room because that was just him being being natural and it it, it and that's changed a bit. Um, and that's what I felt changed about that dressing room. Not not in a bad way, but just that again that transition going from the old school where they didn't talk about off field stuff in terms of who, what paper and what they got paid. Whereas Kev was just upfront about it and, you know, he was off doing this and that and, but because, and that's just the way he operated. But um, underneath it all was an incredibly steely determination to, to be the best. Yeah. Um, Brooksy, you know, when we talk about Harmy's delivery that, I mean, you know, the one, um, what would you describe that delivery as the one that ends up going down the leg side that gets gloved to uh, our good friend Geraint here? Yeah, it's um, it's funny to say that because that little bit of commentary that goes with it as well, me and a couple of friends from home, because I was glued to the TV that summer way, way before I turned pro. I was still playing village cricket back then. But we used to always just shout, Jones, Bowden, Kasperwitz to each other all the time. Yeah. Um, just, uh, just a naughty little burgle, isn't it? And it's obviously what Jones is going to be living off that for the rest of his life. And that clip's probably <laughs> been shown about a million times. And um, it probably made the, the series and the match even more lively because it got so close, didn't it? But you get a little bit of luck like that. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, I'm sure Jonesy can elaborate on it a little bit. But... Yeah. Go right. Just, just tell us about that. That that the delivery, catch. the catch, you know, the, the catch, catch. The, the one that you talk about probably three or four times a week. After dinner, career sorted. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been embellished. It is now the biggest flying one-handed sort of. <laughs> yeah. uh, but in reality, it was, uh, you know, fairly straightforward. It wasn't didn't have that much pace on it, but what it did have was uh, a huge amount of meanings. The wrong word, but yeah. It had a low. If I dropped that, it was it, we wouldn't have pressure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I've been I've been down the M4 pretty quick. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, so it just. But that whole morning, you know, we thought, oh no, chance is going to wrap up. But then, um, you know, I talk about the morning walking out. Um, all the Aussie fanatics in the in the canary yellow t-shirts. Um, the pathetics, we call them, right? <laughs> there, was, there was a group of them uh, all pitched together and they started uh, singing out how many runs they needed to win. Uh, and they were doing that as we walked on the pitch that morning and something just sat with me and I thought, oh, don't like the sound of that. And then, of course, as it got lower and lower, um, different things happened throughout the morning where... Harmy bowled one which bounced out the footholes down leg side and went over my head and that 
you know that the Aussie crowd love that and it's so there was yeah. so much all of those little things going on and but then it got down to that final moment and but throughout all that final stuff I, I still felt there'd be one chance to come even after Simon um, you know spilt that really tough chance I still felt we were going to still get an opportunity and more than likely after the way the first test at Lords had been where I spilt a couple of catches it was going to come my way so I was still focused and ready and actually wanting a catch to come my way and um, so when it did and that ball you know sort of come off bounce up gloves all that sort of is slow motion where I can see it moving in the gloves and then that rolling and waiting waiting for Billy's crooked finger to come up <laughs> um, you know that's all that's all really clear but um just so much there's some strange so warney how what's he doing kicking his stumps how are they? <laughs> yeah it's just what what is that you t tell me where those gloves are garine tell me they're in a museum somewhere uh no i think I've, they're either in my front room or they're in the in the loft they're um oh. i'm not I'm not a massive displayer of uh, of memorabilia. memorabilia. The the one the one thing that still breaks me to this day is I haven't got the ball, you know, um, mm. because at the end of the match, Brooks, you know, as a cricketer, what at the end of the match, the um, umpire generally asks for the ball, don't they? Yeah. So you, I just lobbed Brutal. it, to Billy. Oh. You know, oh. Billy asked. Put it in your pocket and, and run off you. Yeah, he's. But what I didn't realise, he wanted it for his collection. <laughs> He's got a big collection, hasn't he, of all these match balls and stuff, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Has he? Yeah. And so I remember, I remember getting a, a, a phone call um, on the golf course in between from John Carr, who was heading up the ECB back then. And he said, because um, I might have mentioned it, and he, he said, oh, the, the cricket ball, we, um, you know, we're sort of trying to track it down. And I said, well, Billy's got it. And they went, yeah, okay, but... Uh, we want, we're going to get it, but basically Edgebaston want to have it in their museum for a year. And then after a year, we'll give it to you. And so I was like, yeah, perfect. No problem. But um, I've never, never seen never it. Never seen it. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I reckon it's down in New Zealand somewhere under, under Billy's mattress. <laughs> well, I hope he doesn't sleep very well. Yeah. You were the one who so bloody caught it. Yeah, absolutely. So, Grant, yeah, that, we should start a petition to get get Jonesy and the ball um, reunited. That'd right, be good. The power of the fans and social media, anything's possible. Are you going to brand that. that up, though, Brooksy? You know, it's a bit delicate. Bring Jonesy's balls back. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Jonesy wants his ball back. He's got to go and knock on the neighbour's door and go and get it back. Jonesy wants his balls back. Hashtag that, listeners. Get that going. Get that trend. I agree. I agree. Works great, that, doesn't it? Brilliant. Very good. Geraint, obviously, a big part of that tour and, and a lot of your tour in life with England will have been the Barmy Army. It's Barmy Army podcast, my livelihood. Um, what was that like when you first played in front of the Barmy Army and you first heard the songs and you heard the atmosphere? And Was it special or can you remember it? Yeah, nuts. What you guys do is amazing. You know, it's um, to think, obviously I went to Bangladesh first off um, and you, know, you look around and there's a low, load of English supporters just av having a ball. And that's what I, what strikes me 
most about is how much enjoyment from watching and travelling around the game of cricket that the Barmy Army get for it. And so that's that's real cricket love and, and passion. And and that's that's essentially what comes across to me with the Barmy Army. Every tour I went, they were they were there, apart from obviously at home, it's you do sort of miss it at home and it's a bit bit weird when you're you're playing home test series and it's you know you go away and you have such sort of constant support all throughout the day and it does make a difference because because they're cricket fans and they've got cricket knowledge they can they can move with the day and the, the sort of the the way that the day you know if you're getting some wickets that you go on mental and you know so as players you're thinking right okay the, you know let's keep pushing let's pushing and then if if it's a bit slow and there's a partnership, all of a sudden, you know, there's a song come out that, you know, for wicket. And so they really help with the, the play of the day, in my, in my opinion, to, to, you know, just to, to add to it. And especially as a, a team away, um, you know, when you're getting that support and, and understanding that where it is, where the game's at, it's uh, yeah, I loved it, but um, yeah, just, just an incredible set of fans. And, um, you know, new, when I went, to to the West Indies and just to see see how many were packed into the rickety old stands. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. In Australia, when um, you know, in that Ashes uh, 06, 07, which we try not to talk about, but um, <laughs> yeah, I remember having to after after we played, well, we're playing in Perth and Barmy um, Army takes over a pub generally, don't you? Yeah, we do indeed. Yeah, well, after a day's play, I had to go fish my wife out and and a mate of mine out of the pub. You know, walk, walking into Barmy Army HQ after being smacked around the place in the middle of a test match. I was about to bag a pair. I was like, oh, but uh, <laughs> but, uh, but it's, I'm yeah. I'm sure you will have been well received though. No, I was. Yeah, yeah, no, that's <laughs> yeah. it, and that's what that's what's that's what's great about it, and it's um it's also having grown up in Australia and uh, it's quite fun watching the Barmy Army go about the way they do and then watching the Aussies get so wound up because not understanding how much <laughs> fun they're having and they just they can't cope with it can they they can't hack it the, the <laughs> English exactly. humour and so I know that you know that the Barmy Army are having a laugh and just the, the Aussie crowd just not understanding just because that's <laughs> that's my youth going to cricket and just watching the Aussies abuse opposition and then yeah. uh, but then if, if it's ever turned around on them, not, not knowing what to do. So it was, uh, you know, all those little things, love, love watching the Barmy Army do. That's quality. Amazing. You should come on tour, Jonesy. If uh, Millard, I'm sure Millard could get you on a tour at some point. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I'll, give, I'll give you my headmaster's email and uh, we'll send in a request. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you'd have to, you'd have to schedule the time off now, wouldn't you? In your current yeah. role. Yes, yes, it's, yes. I know things things have changed, haven't they? Moved on, so um, out out of uh, out of having fun into into the reality of a of a real job. So it's um, yes, it's I, I'm I'm really lucky. I'm doing doing something I love doing, and um, I've been able to move into that pretty seamlessly. Yeah. So talk about what it, what it is that you do now. I mean, look, we'll talk about Papua New Guinea at the end because that's really interesting. But just talk about yeah. what, what what is it that you're up to now? So fire service. So you're on call at the moment. So I'm actually really grateful that the phone's not rung <laughs> and you've had to dash out and be a hero. Yeah, I've, but... got, I've got my beeper here. So uh, it starts, going, starts going mental. I'll, I'll exit stage left. Bye. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, so yeah, so that's that's a small part of it. My main job is I work in a school in Ramsgate called St Lawrence College, 
Uh, and I, I've got about, I've got three sort of different roles. Uh, I suppose my main job is I'm a, a housemaster for all the day students that come in. Uh, so thankfully, I, they, they go home at night. I get to wave them off and, uh, you know, after they've done my head in all day. So it's, um, <laughs> but, awesome. but it's I love, I love that. But it's like a massive dressing room, 50 50 teenage boys piling in and just listening to it and having to sort out what's going on over there. And um, so I, lo I love that part of it. So that's that's sort of one hat. Second hat is um, I teach some business studies. Uh, so I've got GCSE doing a, a BTEC um, and a bit of finance as well. And then I, I'm a part of the games, games department. So I had, well, I had, Seven, there's 17 of them in the sports hall today uh, doing some basketball with just me and a whistle that uh yeah a lot of fun that sounds uh, great not so sure after cut an hour and a half of that today but uh <laughs> amazing quality yeah, so that, do, that's the day do job do a lot of these students know about the 05 series and what a legend you are in the game of i bet football. a lot of them weren't born were they that's slightly scary Hopefully, I've inspired a few to be to be born. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Have you got any little grinds in the class? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, yeah, no, um, yeah. So it's there's a few. Some do the old ones. Yeah, there's a few few cricketers there, um, but yeah, the ones coming through, not not Scooby. Um, yeah, no, amazing. That's that's all right. Um, I, don't, I don't mind that. Um, yeah, that's quite cool. Is there a job you haven't done, Jen? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what you got in mind? Well, <laughs> trying to think. No. no, you sound like you qualified. You sound like you've got. You're like a jack of all trades, really. It's unbelievable. Yeah, qualified in none, though, Brooksy. That's that's the trouble. <laughs> um, well, well, ho hopefully, that's changing. I mean, my last last few months of a uh, of an online. Um, degree in sport and business management so hopefully by Christmas I'll be able to wear one of those gowns and a hat and throw it in the air and uh, I'll be no longer uneducated um, so you'll have a degree and an MBA is that yeah. right yeah very good very good love that yeah they can MBA, both of them can go in the bedside drawer where the MBA is they, uh... <laughs> <laughs> that seem to be Cricket ball from uh, the Ashes series. Correct. Yeah. Well, that, no, that'll that'll get pride of place. That'll. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The MBE stays under the bed. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Hashtag bring back James. These balls. balls. Absolutely. <laughs> it's catching on. Um. So you you know just just to round things off. You know what I love about this is that you quite clearly still love your cricket because you know a few years ago when you've played four hundred odd top level games. 34 tests for England, an Ashes urn, and then you go and play some ODIs for Papua New Guinea. I mean, that must have been great, and you did that purely for the love of it as well, didn't you? I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, it was an opportunity that came up that PNG got in contact with me, and you know, I had to wait four years after my last last Test match, and um, it was something that was brought sort of onto my radar when I was still playing, right? The, the right back end of it but um and and yeah it was just a chance to to do that and extend extend that career a bit and but it was amazing loved it you know it 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 really rejuvenated me 
at the back end of my sort of county career because I went away with these guys who some of them their houses didn't have electricity didn't have running water um you know I remember once when I first I went there for a training camp and I went down they all lived in a pretty much in the one village which was down by the the water and um so the way it worked is as you as you sort of earned respect in the community and you got a bit of money you're able to move from a house that was actually on stilts in the water as you, and you could come in closer to land and then you're able to get up the hillside as you you know as, as you got older and you gained that community respect and there's a few of my guys were still living in the water and you know slap holes in the in, in the floor so stuff would drop through and you know just listening to them and but I remember playing uh, a game of street cricket with them and I was having a bat and I I clipped one towards one of the houses and there was a an open um, lid on this box and stuff and it went in there and they just went mad I was like what was and off they went diving in there and turns out there was a pig in there <laughs> no way they, they kept pigs for ceremonies and you know so it would become a feast and so if the ball went in there and the pig ate it and choked or something you know, it was more more important that the uh, the pigs survived but you know so it was little bits like that were you know which were just to be Incredible. part of those guys and going away with with tour on them I, I went to you know one of my first trips was to Dubai with them to try and qualify for for a world cup and um you know and, and at that point they weren't they weren't getting paid. We, we were just getting a bit of expense money. And, um, and you know, in Dubai, it doesn't go very far. So I sort of had a chat with them and said, lads, if we all, if you all pull together, you'll, um, you'll get, you know, and then we head off to KFC, we'll be able to get so much KFC, it'll be ridiculous. And uh, they were, oh, yeah, because they were just going and buy it individually. And I said, well, pull your money, lads, you'll get, you'll get triple the amount. And then I got the, <laughs> I got the hook from the manager and went, do you mind not giving them that sort of advice? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That's fantastic. What a great experience, though, that is. It must have been brilliant, that, because it's completely different, you know, completely out of the realms of, you know, what we see over here in terms of county cricket and stuff, but it's all sort of bonding over the same game. And and what and what it, where it rejuvenated me was the love for the game, just the raw, like, you know, they... they you know they were amazing. They were in in Dubai playing, and and so that whole thing of why why I started playing again, and even though I'd been on this amazing journey, was really brought back to me as to where it all starts, and to watch these guys playing with such energy and 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 love for the game, it was like I said, it, it really rejuvenated me and gave me a, a massive boost towards towards the back end. Brilliant. Well, Garant, thank how, you so how, much. Go how on. did you get... Sorry, Greggy, I just, I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued by uh, it. So, I mean, so how, am I. It's how, amazing. How did it all How did it all unfold and how did you get on? How did how those guys develop now? Are they still playing? Do you still keep an eye on them? Yeah, and well, the, the, the brilliant thing, which I sort of brought a bit of a, a closure on it towards the back end, was that we got... Uh, we went to a tournament and we did, did so well that where we finished gave PNG full ODI status. And so to go from being number 16 in the world when I sort of, well, even probably less than that when I first started to be able to get full ODI status and what that meant with it, the funding then, then that these guys were pretty much able to turn professional and, and train professionally wow. and to go off and 
effectively. And then the World Cricket League started. So they would go to Scotland. And, and so it just opened up so many doors for them. Um, it For me, it was a sort of great finish point to be able to say, right, OK, now it's time for the, you know, I, I was the only sort of guy from outside of Papua New Guinea playing and and there were some young guys coming through and I felt, well, I don't want to deny them the, the opportunities that are about to come up over the next next four years and so it was that's that's what put my thinking towards it I didn't want to just a bit like with my with my county career I, I still had another year on my contract but because I was enjoying it so much at Gloucester that's it really prompted me to to finish because I wanted to finish loving what I was doing and, and not sort of hanging on to the game because I, I had to with with no other options and I was really lucky that in my career I, I won tournaments you know the ashes and but yeah so I felt felt fulfilled and I think that's probably you know not not being derogatory but a lot of county cricketers probably have their career and don't fulfill what they want to do as much whereas I was able to do all that and it allowed me to to finish on incredible terms and and still with a massive passion for the game and I still play now I still play for my local village you know we <laughs> You know, we um, bet you believe I, I bad out last week. I had to go back to school, and uh, we, we were playing in the COVID Cup. So one of the guys had uh, spoken to a few other local local clubs, and so we got eight teams together. Uh, we played each other a couple of times, and so I got them through. We eight teams. We got through the quarter final, and now I said, "So lads, I've got to go back to work." Keep <laughs> <laughs> hanging. Incredible. Brilliant. Absolutely. I've actually played against Papua New Guinea before, but it was after your time, Jonesy. I think I played him on a pre-season tour friendly um, in Dubai or Abu Dhabi when I was at Yorkshire. They okay. were a fantastic set of lads and very talented as well. I think they gave us, gave us a pretty good game from memory. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, they, their fielding was, they're ath, you know, they're athletic. That's what they were renowned for. When I first joined yeah. them, it was, you know, that they probably couldn't handle the fast bowling and the, spin but you watch them in the field and that's exactly what they like and uh you know but then they they loved it they probably did you hear them sing brooksy did they yeah i did did actually i was gonna say they had a lot of energy and i do remember there being some singing either before or after i don't remember what it was now yeah probably all the way through i remember bus trips again with them when we you know we're, we're at those tournaments we'd be on the way and especially when we won it was mental but they i <laughs> loved it you know up and down the bus, just you know, dragging me up to, to join in, and but that's just the way that they we'd walk to training with a big boombox on. They loved, you know, they loved it. It was, it was brilliant. Incredible, fantastic. What an amazing experience. What a great oh, stuff. What a great way to sort of finish your career as well. Fantastic, absolutely brilliant. Garain, it's been brilliant. We've had a, an hour's chat with you. I don't know where the time's gone, but it's been brilliant. Such a good insight. So nice to hear that everything's fulfilled and. Um, It'd be cool, you know, Mr. Jones. It'd be great that, to that walking into Mr. Jones being your housemaster, wouldn't it? Shame that none of them have a bloody clue who you are, but you know, there we go. Yeah, great stuff. Well, yeah, hope. So, no, cheers, guys. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed that, mate. Cheers, Thank you so awesome. much.
Social Podcast Network.